You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Uh-oh, guess what day it is. Guess what day it is. Huh? Anybody? Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? <laughs> Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. I just lost so much time. Scott Lane. If you help me, I'm the man who can give you the one thing you want. You're an Avenger. And you have a daughter. But you've lost a lot of time. Like me. We can help each other with that. There's something I never told you. What are you so afraid of? It can rewrite existence. And shatter timelines. You cannot trust him. It's a secret universe beneath ours. With the quantum realm. This place, it isn't what you think. Down here, out of your league. I don't care who this guy is. Let me make this easy for you. You will bring me what I need. Or everything you call a life will end. I'm sorry, Cassie. This is all my fault. I killed you before. People still need help. You're an interesting man. I'm gonna get you home. You may not want her to watch this. We had a deal. You thought you could win. I don't have to win. We both just have to lose. I will burn out of time. The second chance. Hey there, ESO people, and welcome to another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. That's right, folks. We've got a great one for you tonight. We are going to be talking all about Ant-Man and Wasp's Quantumania, the newest film from Marvel Studios. And it's been very controversial. Some people have been loving it. Some people have said it's the worst thing they've ever seen on the screen. So 
I will be very curious to see what people hear. What? About the it. internet having extreme views on something? Isn't it shocking, I'm Mr. Shocked. Mike? Shocked, it's I tell you. Shocking, I tell you. I am shocked. And of course, we have with us Mr. Mike Gordon. How are you, sir? Howdy. And are you ready for this controversial film from Marvel Studios? A little, little bit. A little bit. It'll be a ton of fun to do. And of course, we have to welcome our movie gal. Ms. Ashley Pauls, welcome. Hello, I'm excited to dive into the multiverse and uh, dig into this film a little more with you guys. Exactly, the first film of Phase 5 of the MCU. Yes. And it should be a ton of fun. And also joining us, Mr. Chip Johnson. Thanks for having me, guys. Well, Looking forward to getting into the multiverse myself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, We'll see which variant we have of you tonight, so it'll be very cool. <laughs> And of course, we want to hear from you guys at home. Please write us feedback at earthstation1.com. Let's jump in with both feet. All right, Mr. Mike, you ready to take it away? I am. Uh, just a, a disclaimer, if you are not familiar with Earth Station 1, when we do our movie reviews, we do uh, have spoilers. So we do talk about the all the movie, the whole movie. Uh, and nothing but the, the movie. And the, well, we'll talk a lot about other stuff, I'm sure, because uh, that's our usually MO. Uh, but uh, yeah, we're going to talk about spoilers. We're going to talk about the, the ending of the movie. We're going to talk about the cut scenes or the, the after credit scenes. Uh, we're going to talk about the whole enchilada or as much as we can do in, in the time we have. So, uh, but first off, I uh, got to do a box office report. Seems like it's been forever since we've had a box office report because they haven't really mattered really much lately. Um, mm -mm. Uh, but uh, this one matters. I think this is the first one in a long time that matters. Uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania has grossed uh, so far, as of this recording, $120 million in the United States and Canada. Uh, and then about a little over, uh, a little less than $240 million uh, worldwide. Um, I'm sorry, two, $360 million worldwide. Um, so... It's a better opening than the previous two Ant-Man movies. Uh, might even be better, bigger than both of them opening weekends combined. It sounds uh, like it. So, uh, uh, but yet, a lot of people are saying that it's disappointing. Um, so this is the disappointing way to start off uh, Phase 5. Um, before we get into the actual film itself, any thoughts about the, the box office and the release of the movie? It's interesting because, you know, it did really well and it also had the plus of being on a holiday weekend here in the United States because for a lot of people, it's a three-day weekend. And so they were able to go see it today. And so that also helped the buzz because it did really, really well. It did $17 million on Thursday, which is really well in the United States for an opening weekend, you know, for to get it started. And then for it to continue through. And I know few people who've actually gone to see it two or three times already. So it's just, you know, if that's the case, you know, it's pretty awesome. And for a Marvel film, because I know Marvel has been getting a lot of, you know, bad buzz, especially with, you know, phase four. And, you know, there are a lot of downers and a lot of, things that weren't oh so positive and some controversial stuff. So it'll be very interesting to see going forward what it's going to do. And the controversy's already kicked in all already. So it's pretty interesting to see. 
Yeah, I mean, certainly there's a debate among a lot of people about this movie. Um, so I'm curious as to what everybody thought of the movie itself. So I guess we'll get right into that. Although I have to ask, because Chip, you smiled. Have you seen it more than once? Okay, I just wanted to make sure. Has any? And I Ashley, don't. I don't think he's going to. <laughs> okay, interesting. Um, uh, I don't usually see them more than once. It's been a while, man. I can't even remember the last time I saw a movie twice in the theater. I think it was the. It was one of the Thor movies. I think. Really? Um, yeah. Must have been the first or second ones because you weren't happy with the third and fourth ones. Right, right. Yes, it must have been one of those two. Um, And a lot of people didn't like the second one, although eh, whatever. Anyway, we're not talking about Thor. We're talking about Ant-Man. We're talking about Scott Lang and his crew and his family. Um, We'll start with you, Ashley, uh, as we usually do. What were your thoughts going into this? And overall, did you were you happy? You were satisfied? Yeah, well, I knew that as soon as this film dipped below 50% on Rotten Tomatoes, that this was going to be a film that caused discourse. And sure that enough... That was before anybody ever saw it, right? Yes. like yeah, I of knew course it did. There was already discourse about the critics' comments on the movie before any of us fans had even gotten to see it. So I, I kind of tempered my expectations, and I wondered kind of just what exactly am I walking into? And... The the movie is a lot. It's two hours, but there is a lot packed into that runtime. And sometimes I feel like it's a shame because things are so polarized in fan discussions. This is either people saying this is the best Marvel movie of all time. The critics are crazy. Other people like this is flaming hot garbage. The MCU is dead. And when in reality, I feel like, <laughs> yeah, like there's not a lot of nuance there. So I would say that for me personally, There were some things that I really liked. There were some things I didn't care for and I wish could have been done better. And some concerns maybe I have for how this will play out in future movies. But there were some things that I really liked. So, yeah, I as soon as I walked out of the theater, one of my first thoughts was I can't wait to podcast about this because good or bad, there's going to be a whole lot to talk about with this movie. So, yeah, I'm I'm ready to dive on in. Like I said, there are some things I liked. Some things I would have changed, but um, it definitely wasn't a boring time at the movies. So I'm excited to talk more about it with you guys. Uh, yeah, good way to put it. Chip, what about you? What were your expectations going into this one? And uh, did they uh, did they play out okay? I mean, I'm going to say that I think Mike's got it right. I'm kind of going to be the weird or. Well, you always are. So it's okay. <laughs> it's, yeah, I'm weird. What can I say? It's fun. Um, but I. I had a lot of worries about this movie coming in and it's kind of the same reason I had worries about Iron Man two when that came out. And that's kind of where I would put this movie. If we're just going to go broad strokes, I would put it in sort of Iron Man two's territory. There's some kind of like Ashley saying, there's some big issues I have with the plot and the pacing that I feel like is kind of getting into issues. And I, I think there's, there's some danger signs for the future of Marvel in terms of a, universe that i think are kind of early warning signs in this movie but i didn't really like i said did i you know my go-to rule is was it worth the price of the ticket yeah it's totally worth going to see it and paying for it i didn't i didn't like come out of there going oh i wish i had spent that money no i really i'd enjoyed it there were some issues and some things that i want to talk about i'm looking forward to having fun yeah 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 you didn't come out of there going okay marvel we're done (laughs) <laughs> I can't even imagine what they'd have to do at this point, like for me to do that. Like I'm so much invested. Um, and even like their misses to me have not been like 
they like, could just have that terrible uh, Tiki Watiti to be able to uh, direct uh, every single yeah, one of the if, Marvel if films. If he replaces get... Kevin Feige, then we're yeah. in trouble. Yeah, <laughs> Mike, Mike, and I are out. So like, it becomes the Korg extended universe. Like it's been yeah. nice knowing you. I'm like, you. I'm like J- James in the DCEU. Here it goes. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> you know it's going to be the end of the Marvel here universe when he just walks out, flips the middle finger at everybody, and that's the movie for an hour and a half. Is just Tiki Watiti everybody off because he would do it if you gave him the right check for it yes he would Uh, of course he would absolutely uh mike what about you what were what were your thoughts going in and coming out um going in i was skeptical i saw what the rotten tomatoes scores were but i also saw because that you know people going to see it the audience score was 84 percent and and that was really good compared to you know what the critics were saying and a lot of times i go with what the audience says and, you know, Rotten Tomatoes, I gave up, you know, giving it a lot of credit years ago anyway, especially when it came to superhero movies and such. And in a lot of ways, it was, you know, a lot of the critics and a lot of other people are getting Marvel burnout and superhero burnout in a lot of ways. And after the tastes that we got for some of the Marvel movies over the last year and a half or so and some of the TV shows which I don't hate any of them, but they weren't as good as past ones or, you know, what they did with the DCU, especially with, you know, with Black Adam. It, you know, I liked Black Adam for the JSA, but otherwise, you know, that could have been a movie I could have skipped seeing otherwise. But it was interesting to see, you know, with Ant-Man, because this is a whole new phase. This is the next beginning of the next thing and i like how they set the you know the groundwork for this with loki and everything with you know the guy you know the one who was all watching as they called him and it was interesting to see how they were going to do kang and you know i think jonathan majors was amazing in this film he was the big shining point for this and I'm looking forward to talking to you guys about it and everything. And yes, there are plot holes. There were plot holes you could drive a truck through in this movie. Or you know, or you could put giant size Ant-Man through those holes if you want to do it that <laughs> there way. You go. But there you go. it but it was it was fun. It was a great time. And I didn't walk out of the theater disappointed at all. And especially with those end scenes and everything and you know being a comic book geek from way back i knew who all those characters were and it was pretty awesome to see yeah i must say i'm not uh my marvel knowledge is not as deep especially when it comes to kang and uh and all of that stuff although i've been doing some reading and talking to some folks about about some of the references in here some of the ones that went right over my head uh, and in some cases it doesn't matter, right? Like, cause the MCU has proven that they'll take from the comics, but they are not afraid to do their own thing. And sometimes for better or for worse. Um, I went into this, um, pretty open-minded. Just it, to me, it's like in, in, in Kevin Feige, be trust. Like, I just don't, like, if I go to a Marvel movie or watch a Marvel show, there might be certain degrees one way or another, but I'm going to have a good time. Uh, I'm going to have a good time. The quality, is going to be good. 
um, the uh, the action and everything like that. They're gonna there's gonna be some highlights. There there will be some low points too, and every single one of them. You know, it's just a matter of what which ones I uh, subscribe to or which ones I don't. Um, so uh, Peyton Reed did the second Ant Man movie, and uh, and I liked that one enough. So I thought he was perfectly competent to do this as well. I I understood though leading up to this, this was going to be a a bigger deal, uh, a bigger like the other Ant-Man movies seem to be more like heist movies. Like they were just like, this is, this is Marvel's heist movie type of thing. Mm -hmm. Whereas this one was not going to be a heist movie. This was going to be more in the vein of, uh, I got to give, uh, uh, our good friend, Bobby Nash credit for this. Cause he really hit the nail on the head when we were talking about it. Um, he compared it to like the flash Gordon, um, Whereas, uh, and, and, and I, and I, I, really I totally, I totally get that. I totally get that. You know, going into a, a strange universe, you've got Ming the Merciless, you've got the rebels, like you're, you're getting caught up in all that. Like I, that, that fits this movie, that, that template is over this movie, um, which is a different thing for Ant-Man. Uh, you've got five leads in the movie instead of just one or two <laughs> like it should it's called ant-man and wasp quantumania but it should be like ant-man and wasp times two plus one <laughs> like it's just because it's like they're all they all get equal time but they all take snoozes every once in a while too oh, um there's times you certain, forget hank pym is in this movie Right. And the, the times you forget Janet's in this movie. There's yeah. times you feel like, like everybody disappears for a little while while they can build something up. So there's a lot, like Ashley pointed out, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of characters. There's a lot of balls in the air and some of them drop on the floor. Um, and roll away and we never want to see them again. Um, but others are, are pretty good. So I had a good time going to see this overall. Uh, but I do acknowledge that yes, it did have some issues and, uh, I don't know if to me none of them are franchise threatening. <laughs> I certainly don't feel like I do feel like a lot of people who like are say like you, Mike. Um, not to single you out because I know that a lot of people say that there's superhero fatigue or comic book movie fatigue, and I don't think that's Marvel's fault. I mean, sure okay. they're giving us a lot of product, but I think it's all good quality product. You know, it's the others that are that are kind of like tainting the water a little bit. And and if people are tired of seeing it, then maybe they need to take a break. I mean, maybe they're just that's that seems like a thing on them rather than on the franchise. But yeah, there's that's my thing, thoughts on that. There's a thing called freedom of choice. You don't have to go to the movies. Right. I mean they Marvel does kind of like though like let you know that this is the start of phase five. If you want to know what's going on to lead up to the big the big Avengers movies, then you're probably gonna want to watch these because they're gonna matter. And this one certainly matters because it it introduces uh, what everybody feels is going to be the big bad of this whole run, right? So, um, so let's let's talk about that first because I think that's one of the most significant things about this movie is that we finally get Kang. As Mike pointed out, we 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 got uh, was it Mortis? What was he called? What was it called the, in the in the Loki? Um, was not he was not Immortus because you got Immortus at the, oh right you got Immortus in this one right right yeah, he, who remains. One. he who remains we got he who remains in 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 Loki right thank you um 
And uh, certainly we get a version of Kang the Conqueror in this one. I, I don't think it's related to the Kang of Conqueror that we see that has changed the multiverse no. headquarters. The, or the the headquarters there. Um, this is and the of king, course this is the king who was expelled and the king who this was, was exiled. That was exiled, yeah, exactly. right? Um, and uh, you know, and as we see in the the end credit scene, there are a lot of kings. Um, uh, to me, I the problem is with Kang is not Jonathan Majors. Jonathan Majors is proven that he's more than capable of playing every single version of Kang and variant that we can come up with, right? Like, I am looking forward to seeing that. Every Marvel movie from here on out could have the big bad being Kang, a version of a variant of Kang, and I would be okay with that because I like Jonathan uh, Majors that much. However, the thing with Kang is that he is tied in with the multiverse, and he's tied up tied up with time travel in in the mcu they're one in the same because a multiverse is created when the timeline changes right correct so so it's 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 not like there's multiverses that were just all created at once at the big bang or whatever no no there's like every time somebody makes a choice at a certain part or whatever then their variant is create is created and there's another multiverse and there's another multiverse and there's so we saw that uh he remains was trying to clean it all up well, now we know that things are in chaos again. Um, so we've got all these Kangs. And that's really hard because I never felt like in this movie I knew what Kang's ultimate goal was. I couldn't really understand him. Like with Thanos, you knew what he wanted to do. It was very simple. This is really a little bit more complicated. And so I think Marvel's got their work cut out for them trying to convince us and trying to, uh, to get behind or against this guy because it's a little bit more, it's a lot different. Ashley, what do you, you're nodding. What do you think about that? Yeah. My thoughts are pretty similar. I mean, coming into this movie, Jonathan majors was the reason I was most excited just because like what a chilling, compelling magnetic performance from Loki. And so I was like, I can't wait to see this guy perform on the big screen. And again, like, what an amazing performer. He was great. Um, every the time scenes he, with uh, Janet are just Yeah, amazing. like every time he wasn't on the scene, I was like, can we can we have Jonathan Majors again? So as much as like I adore you, Paul Rudd and everybody else, but like he was great. But yeah, I do have kind of some of those concerns about the multiverse just by its very nature getting kind of unwieldy. And I know Marvel hasn't really done this before in the MCU, but I kind of wish that this was a movie just about Kang that happened to have some of the Ant-Man characters in it. Like this had been a story about kind of his origin story, go into more of his background, really make us feel for him as an audience and really like bond with him and then have that kind of soul crushing moment. And you realize like, Oh, he's the villain. So I would have liked them to lean a little bit more into the sympathetic villain. Just cause again, I tend to like that type of villain portrayal. I don't know how well that may or may not align with the comics, but I think that would have been no. So <laughs> yeah, that, that again might just be more of a personal thing, but maybe just giving even more time to like go into the background of the character, get to know him more before really pulling the rug out from under us because Jonathan Majors is such a charismatic actor. And then you also have the challenge of, 
Kang is defeated or defeated in this movie. So you have the big bad, like, oh, he gets knocked out by, again, like, I love Ant-Man, but he's not even one of the more powerful people. It's not like, oh, Thor has defeated um, Kang or Captain Marvel has defeated Kang. So, um, yeah, but again, I could change my mind about that because this is just one variant of Kang. So they were able to defeat this one, but you have the mass of Kangs across the universe. So, yeah, again, there are some things that I could potentially be concerned about, but like looking back several years from now, like this could all play out very well and it could all make sense. So, yeah, I'm just kind of really curious to see, see where this all goes. You kind of and they have his the origin, though, also, though, you did get his origin in Loki. And, you know, and so you you, know, you have that. And he, you know, when he was explaining in Loki, he's like, I'm the easy one. What's coming is, mm. you know, going to be so much more worse than what you are. And then even Kang in this movie says, if you defeat me, that all hell is going to break loose. You know, I know what's to come that I was going to protect everybody from. And so he was kind of laying his game plan out throughout this movie. And so yeah. it wasn't that unexplained. And, but it's, no, it, it was I kind mean, of convoluted though. I do. Agree I was going to say yeah. it was extremely convoluted. Yeah, like, so. and exactly. Cause what he was trying to avoid and the way he was trying to avoid it, it was nonsense. Like it made no sense. Every time he talked, he talked in, I don't know. Maybe our our science guy understood some of the concepts he was throwing out there, <laughs> yeah. but uh, <laughs> well, but uh, Chip, uh, I, I sorry, Mike. Uh, what are you going to say? No, all I was going to say is, you know, it was kind of explained, like when Janet, what you know, took, you know, which was really silly, you know, when she touched the power source and she was able to read King's mind all of a sudden and see what he was really about. And, you know, he was saying, you know, you're going to get, if you get out of here, you're going to go up against all the other, trying to destroy all the other kings, and you're going to destroy their universes at the same time. And that's trillions of people that you would be destroying each time you destroyed a reality. And it was just like, you know, and it was just like, really? You know, it was all like that. And, you know, and so that's what, you know, his thing was about, and it was just like, it was crazy. Yeah, that was a weird, that was a weird device. And I don't know if I really approve of that because I kept thinking like, okay, did she see what he had done in the past before why he was like thrown here and, and, and exiled here? Was that all the stuff he did in the past or is that stuff he's going to do potentially in the future or yes like she just I mean, saw yeah, the scripts well, for the next movies yeah she just saw the, yeah, exactly. all the previews trailers for the next exactly. movies she's like oh that can't go back can't happen we nope. need to stop this right now uh uh chip let's go to you like what did you think of of this particular kang and and what he represents i again i think i'm going to reiterate i'm going to kind of go with the group jonathan majors does a great job with the plot like i said i, I kind of will go with ashley in the sense of the one scene that like literally was very, that he had very Thanos, very Loki vibes was the, uh, when he's got Ant-Man trapped in the cell and he goes, have I killed you before? Are you the one with a hammer? They all start to run together after a while. I was like, he manages to deliver that where it doesn't feel like a boast. It feels like he's legitimately like, have which I done this you? before? I'm forgetting. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Which Avenger are you? I can't. Yeah. Though I will say, I kind of have to go against Mike with this in the sense that, if you haven't seen the Loki TV show, 
this makes his his origin makes almost no sense. No, I agree completely. If you if you have not seen Loki, you are lost with and this that, character. Like, that's kind of what I'm saying about dangers for future of Marvel is that they're starting to get the TV shows way so invested in the movies where you have to have seen the TV show, you start to run the risk of getting it sure. way out of the weeds. And I also and that totally makes sense too, because yeah, you know, and that's the whole tying in the universe and everything. And I agree certain things when you introduce a big bad, it shouldn't be, you know, you can't be, like how they used to do in the comics, see Fantastic Four issue eight to get his origin or something like that. So, it, I mean, Jonathan Majors does a good job with the plot he's given, where Kang is a villain in and of himself. Where if you haven't seen He Who Remains and you haven't seen Loki, you know Kang's a scary big bad. You know this guy is a threat. But I do think that like the post credit scenes that I know we're going to talk about, they lose a lot of the punch if you don't get the multiple timelines from Loki and you don't understand kind of what, why there are like suddenly 50 Kangs running around in the background of the shot, it loses some of that. If you're kind of left going, wait, what, what, why was he clones? Like what's going on? Yeah. Both the, both the end credit scenes, cause there's two of them. Both of them are more about the show Loki than they are about what we saw in Ant-Man. I feel like, well, it's just not um, about, it's just not about Loki though. It's also, you know, the next Avengers movie, that's coming out. Well, yeah, but I mean, is called they, right the King now, Dynast, Dynasty, you know. But right so. now, they refer to, they're referring more to Loki and Loki season two than the they are one. referencing Ant-Man. In the second one. Yes. In the first one, too. Like, as, as he pointed out, we don't know that there's multiple ones. We don't know. I mean, we, we don't, you know, we don't know, we don't understand that. And without seeing Loki. Um, no, because he in this movie, Loki even uh, not Loki Kang actually even says there's thousands of me out there, and they were showing with each you know what happened with Scott Lang when he kept on every decision he was making. There was another Ant Man, and there was another Ant Man, and there was another Ant Man. They were just, they were talking about that right in this movie. You know, you even got Baskin Robbins, you know Scott Lang in this, <laughs> you know, and that was pretty awesome. You know, so that was my favorite joke in the movie, to be honest, was the Baskin Robbins <laughs> Ant Man just showing up in the possibility. I was like, okay, that's a good joke, solid joke. Yeah, <laughs> and there was there was some great, great, you know, talking about the multiverse. And you know, there's not many people out there that won't go, you know, someone who's seen this hasn't seen Doctor Strange, the multiverse of madness, or they've, you know, or they've they harp on the probabilities of, you know, alternate realities and, you know, you know, everything. They talk about this, that in length in this movie and, you know, and how every decision, you know, you make and there creates a whole new universe and you, it goes off from there. And they even show, you know, even go as far as showing all the different branches in this, in this movie, they showed that. And so to show, like they're all, and he and the, that wasn't he even, at the end. No, I thought that was in the credit scene. No, it no? was during it was during the film, and he actually then said he kept on saying, if for some, you know, if you know, there's I know I see what's coming in the future. I know how this is going to end, and it is not good for anyone. And even Scott, when he at the end, when he was monologuing to himself, holding the ice cream cake. And going, you know, 
hey, did I, you know, by destroying this Loki, did I doom everybody because of what Loki was warning or what um, Kang was warning us about? You know, so and so it was just it was over and over again. You know, they were hammering it on your head. No, but well, I'll argue that they were, they kept saying things, but the things meant nothing because they, they didn't, the concepts they were throwing out there, they really hadn't backed up. And so it was all convoluted mess. I mean, they say these words, but I don't know what they mean. And I don't know like how that, how that responds to, or how that affects the characters. Um, Cause we, like I said, I don't think we really understand Kang's motivation because they want to keep that hush hush because What's coming is a is a secret, right? So, so we don't. But and and at the end of the day, this Kang, this variant, is disposable. He he dies at the end, like a lot of MCU villains, by the way. Um, you you build a guy up and then you kill him off. Um, if if we didn't know that we were nice. going to have more variants and there were more Kangs out there, this would be like, oh man, they wasted Kang. <laughs> like if this is like Kang the Conqueror, like they just wasted him because this is like he got beat by Ant Man, really? Like, like that, and they but, even mentioned that in the movie too. So, um, so it the, does seem like it's. Uh, but then, if you the fact, most people stay for the after credit scenes and they go, no, oh, they there's you more know people leave all the time. There's like three there's people. You, you know, <laughs> there's there's people that do, and those aren't the audience they're trying to reach, though. That's you know the people who are staying get the payoff by saying seeing the council of kings and seeing you know you got to see ramatut you got to see immortus you got to see the scarlet spirit you know it was he's a he's a comic book villain he they don't really die anyway they all stay they all come back they all have can come back at any time it doesn't really make any difference if there's a end cut scene or not um so all right so that's that's Kang, right so but we're all invested in Kang. My understanding yeah. is as much as like, you know, we might not have liked the way he was portrayed here. Jonathan Majors did everything he could with it. And I'm on, we're all locked into like Jonathan Majors as Kang going forward in the MCU. Now we'll see how far that goes. But I mean, right now he's the guy, he's the bad guy, big, bad, big, bad, plural. Yeah. Big bads. <laughs> um, all right. So let's talk about the ant family. Uh, we've got two ant men and two wasps, uh, and then half an ant wasp. Cassie, I don't know what she she doesn't have a does she have a superhero name? Not yet. She will though. Gotcha. Um, I know what it is. uh, (laughs) Um. So, what did we think, Ashley, of the uh, the ant family? It was kind of cool. I like anytime um, these type of movies delve into the idea of like family or legacy. And it was cool to see multiple generations. I would say my other favorite character besides um, Kang was uh, Janet. I thought Michelle Pfeiffer did a really good job. And it was just, it was cool to see an older female character have a really meaty, cool role in one of these superhero movies. I liked that they kind of played into the mystery of, oh, what did she do all that time when she was in the quantum realm and had this really, you know, complicated experience. She had a whole nother life and just seeing her kind of try to balance, was she right to keep it a secret? Should she have said something? 
and just the guilt that she realized like, oh, I thought I was helping this guy, but I really maybe have just unleashed the next supervillain, like the next Thanos on the multiverse. So I really enjoyed seeing the complexity with her character and seeing her get an expanded role. And I have to laugh again, like a, almost as much as I love Paul Rudd, I felt like he was kind of overshadowed in his own movie some just because there were so many characters and so many different things going on. But um, do you think that was a good thing? Um, I, you know, I enjoyed Could it just seeing... been like Ant-Man and one Ant-Man and Wasp pair and Cassie maybe going instead of bringing, I mean. No, it made total sense. It, to- it made total sense. Yeah, I, I really liked there. having um Janet and Hank Pym in on the adventure. So I, I don't even necessarily, maybe you didn't even need to call it like Ant-Man and the Wasp in Quantumania. They could have maybe just called it like Quantumania because it really is more of an ensemble and it's all about them working together. And so, yeah, I... I enjoyed seeing that it was a group that went down to the quantum realm and just seeing that family dynamic. Yeah. It very much felt like a fantastic four movie almost. Uh, Cause In you have this ways. family uh, having this out of, well, almost otherworldly adventure we'll say. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, what did you think of the ant family? Chip? I think you is as I say we're talking about titles and it could have been the Pym family. Sorry, yeah, exactly. been resist that joke as soon as somebody said it. Um, Where's but, the cricket sound effect? Hold on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let me have my moment. Um, but I will say I do think that I, I agree. Janet, Janet got the had the best story, and I do think they did a good job of also making you feel like you felt that rebellion. Like you felt that kind of, I've been doing this 30 years. I've been fighting this longer than I knew Hank, like that age, that sort of tired, that exhaustion of like where it didn't feel like it was sort of a force, like, Oh, she suddenly knows everybody. It's like, no, you feel like she's been doing this for 20 years. I also feel like Hank, in my opinion, got the best jokes in the entire movie. I feel like he got some of the best jokes. I know socialism is a loaded word, but <laughs> was just, I'm sorry that that cracked me up in the middle of the theater. Um, and I will say, I do think Paul Rudd was at his absolute best when he was playing dad to Cassie. Oh, very he much was, so. When he was playing dad, I thought he really did a good job of making you feel that this guy's number one priority is keeping this kid alive. That was his job. He didn't care. Like everything else was secondary. He, he, you know, let the world burn. Let me get her out of here first. Mm-hmm. And being a dad, I could totally see why. And, you know, it means the world to try to protect your kid. And, you know, and he's the superhero. He didn't want her entering his world. So it was really interesting with that. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, I, I can't. And I like the way that uh, the, the movie is bookend. I like the way Paul Rudd's character, like Scott, bookends the movie. Like he's the, the beginning with the books and all that stuff is fun to watch. And he's just so damn charming. Uh, and then at the end, you know, and where he's like doing the same thing, except it's got a, like a darker tone to it. Because it's like, we won, but did we? Like, you know, mm-hmm. Um uh mike anything more do you want to say about the, oh, sure. the pimp family no um what ashley and chip said perfectly agree completely with but i also like the character of cassie they could have made her like the spoiled brat they, they could now, this have is made a new her. actress right yes they didn't they recast her for the, this role and good 
I like the other actress, but I didn't mind this one. I thought she worked really well. The chemistry between her and Paul Rudd was awesome. I don't know why they replaced her, but. Wibbly wobbly, timey wimey stuff. Who knows? Or Hollywood agents, you know, they get in the way too. (laughs) But it's interesting too, because they could have gone down such a bad path with her and they didn't. And that was awesome. And I like how, you know, oh, I have a costume too. You have a costume? You know, that was pretty awesome. And it was interesting too, because when she was in jail, they mentioned a certain uh, terrorist organization that she um, was helping to support, you know, trying to get free homes and everything. And, you know, for the homeless and for the displaced and everything. And that was right out of Falcon and and Winter Soldier. That was that same organization. So it was kind of cool to see that little tie-in and wink, wink, nudge, nudge there. And with that, and then I loved when she started using her powers and using the the pin particles. It was pretty darn amazing. And, and I loved when she grew and it was like King Kong and Godzilla right there. It was hmm. pretty awesome. It was a great visual. I, I, it makes me wonder, can, can Hope not do that? Because she's never done that, right? Um, she hasn't in the, in the movies, but she has in the comics. Well, right. Janet and it's like, has, I, I, I kind of think like that visual of having all three of them, like giant, just wailing on like, like would have been awesome. Um, but I, I feel like out of the, the five, I think, I feel like hope, even though Wasp is in the title of the movie, it's not the, 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 the Wasp that we spend most time with is actually Janet rather than hope. And I think, I, you know, I, I think uh, Evangeline gets kind of a short shift in this one. I think she doesn't really do a lot as she pops up here and there every once in a while as needed. But, and of course, at the end, she kind of pops up there. She kind of saves the day at the end. Well, yeah, but I don't know if that was earned. Uh, in fact, I'm going to suggest that I don't think it was earned at all because I, they had set it up that Janet should have been the one. Janet kind of disappears in the third act. Like, she's, like, not there. And I'm like... This is her story that we're telling. Like, she should be the one to help, like, defeat this guy. And yet she's nowhere to be found. Um, so I did feel like that was a mistake on their part. Like, they they didn't really follow the the character that way. Um, because they had set all her up in the first two acts. And then just she's not a factor at all at the end. Um, and, uh, I mean, Hank is more of a factor than she is. Uh, I mean, Hank is great. He's got that great moment where he brings in that army of ants, which is just amazing. Uh, it's one of the highlights of the movie for me. Like, mm-hmm. he's just like, yes. Um, all right. So that's the, uh, that's what we feel about the, uh, the ant family. Um, and, uh, other characters. I can't, I mean, I have to go to Modoc, right? Oh, Modoc was. Uh, Modoc is in this. Uh, I'm going to say right out. I'm just going to flay it flat out. I did not care for Modoc. I. It's not that I don't like him as a character. I've seen him in the comics. I think he's funny. I know that he's shown up in Agents of Shield. I know he has his own animated series on Hulu. I don't think either one of those are MCU. So this is a totally different. Like Modoc is is shoehorned really badly into this movie like my understanding is is that modok is not an ant-man villain no he's not uh, nor is all. his story anything like it is here nope. and i and i also felt that when the mask comes off and we see 
uh, his face, uh, Darren Cross's face, Darren. I mean, it's a funny joke where they're all like, Darren. But I thought the CG looked awful. I just thought that this looked like it looked the worst thing I've ever seen in any MCU movie. Yeah. Now that's me personally. Um, uh, but Ashley, what did you think of MODOK? Cause you probably don't have the history with MODOK at all. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm kind of relieved to hear you say that because I really did not dig MODOK and it's like, I know he's a beloved comics favorite character and I no, was like, not. I'm going to be the no, only, he's not. He's not? Okay. <laughs> well, <No. laughs> I was like, I'm going to be the only one on this podcast that didn't dig this character. So I'm relieved. I'm not the only one. It, it didn't really work for me. And like you said, the CGI was off putting. I don't know if there's a better way they could have done the design that could have made it, but it seemed like it was kind of goofy, but on the other hand, like had these really destructive powers and, like the end, the death scene was a little bit weird because like you were supposed to laugh, but yet he also sacrificed himself. So should we be emotional? Like, was this a redemption moment? So I felt that was kind of a weird tonal balance. So again, not being familiar with the comics, I don't know if there's a different way they could have done this to make it read better on screen, but I did not yes. really love that particular character as portrayed in this film, but would be open to seeing a different portrayal that was maybe handled differently it would have been think, really hard to do modok good because truthfully you know it, you say that about that but like we saw no but he's a, he's, he's, he's a giant head with two little arms and legs <laughs> we've, we, we've got it. a raccoon and a tree walking around like, Dude, like those are can... so much smarter to do because literally I've, I've seen even modok cosplays at dragon con and it looks as funny as what we saw in this movie because it, I didn't think it was it funny. Just, I thought it looked bad. No, it was funny to see. It was so bad. It was laughable mm -hmm. and everything. It, it it was awesome when he had the mask on, but as soon as the mask came off, mm -hmm. it was just like, oh, God. What did like, they just put someone here? We're going to put your face into the thing right there. <laughs> it looks you know? so, it, it looks so two dimensional. It didn't look like mm -hmm. it was yeah. three dimensional. Like he was like, and that's, that was the thing. I, like, I think that Peyton Reed really dropped the ball on him. And I think that if this was in other hands, like if it was in James Gunn's hands, mm. if he, if Modoc appeared in a, a, a Guardians movie or a Thor movie with Watiti, I think like both of them would have handled Modoc much better than he's handled it here. I think, and they he's dot and like, and now they can't use him again. So, I mean, well, they could, but I mean, we could get a variant Modoc. The but, multiverse. Uh, like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. But I mean, I mean, for the, I mean, they've kind of like, you know, a they've kind of Modoc. shot their Modoc wide. Like they just can't like, they're like, this is, they, they've killed them off and this is their Modoc. This is the MCU's Modoc. And I'm like, that's just, I think that was not handled really well. I've never been a fan of that, of Modoc just in general in the comics. And then even when they did the animated one and it was, and it was just not good. And it's just, it's, it's a character who's hard not just to laugh at even in the comic books when he used to fight Captain America all the time or the Avengers. And it was just like, Hey, I'm a floating head. There you go. You know? And, and, and I don't understand why Darren couldn't have just been some other version of Darren. Like, like, why? Because he, you can't take him seriously. He's not even a threat in this. He's supposed to be a killing machine, but not one that I 
was afraid of. Any other characters? We've got so many to choose from. Uh, Chip, is there any character uh, that uh, stood out for you? Um, in a in a good or bad way? I will say two things with Modok that I would have is this is the only time I've ever kind of melt, met with the I feel like the this is something in comics that you just cannot translate to live action where it won't work. It's going to be funny and, no matter what they do. Yeah, you're. Yeah, I'm sorry. They, they could have done it. It would have been. I and don't do it. it. <laughs> no, I'll be honest with Modok. I was expecting him to play the Starscream role. I was expecting him to die when they killed him. Like I was like, why didn't he die trying to stab Kang in the back at the end of the movie and sort of give the heroes the opening? It would have met with both Modok, as we know him in the comics, and with Darren from the first movie. It would have been a nice, as opposed to sort of what felt like a very weak character flip with Cassie gives him three seconds of conversation and suddenly he's a hero. I'm like, I, what that didn't, that didn't translate. Um, I don't it know what it, I it am. Wasn't his his was redemption stupid. wasn't earned. No. Uh, yeah. And, and yeah, he just doesn't. Yeah. Um, no. So let's, let's talk about Modoc and let's talk about some. Hope you cut your hair. I will, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, I will say that while I am starting to have issues with Marvel's alien worlds all kind of blending together for me, at a certain point, they're starting to kind of get a little, I've seen this style before, the um, alien with the ray gun is ahead, and the uh, drink the I dug sh- him. drink the slime alien and the telepath, those three, that little, that little cadre of the third of the three stute. That you know the wombats weren't in this movie, but it was essentially the the wombats of the multiverse. I thought were absolutely wonderful. I thought the telepath got again some of the best jokes in the movie when he like there's the one guard. I'll die before I'll tell you. He just walks up. One two three four five six. Crap. Yeah. <laughs> that was a great joke. And the I love the I have holes. Yeah, yeah. You did, I rec- thought was you one did recognize the actor who was the uh, telepath, didn't you? Yes, yeah. from um, the Jackson Harper. Yeah, from the I, I think, good place. I think mm. they put too many characters there. I think mm. you're right. Those three were standouts. I don't think you needed Gentora. Uh, she was just kind of boring in there. Um, uh, woman warrior. We don't really get to know her. What her motivation? Nothing. Just, just well, she's just one dimensional. It was very interesting because those characters were basically parodies of the Micronauts mm. because that's because Marvel doesn't own the rights to the Micronauts. And since they were toy, you know, toy based and they basically created these characters as parodies of those of the the different Micronaut characters and everything. And so it was pretty interesting. That's a cool little trivia thing, but it doesn't work on it's too many. Like it just doesn't. I think it's too many like to people that introduce and care about this whole team. You weren't you've already got to. all this other stuff going on. You weren't supposed to in this. This They were basically... Well, then why did they back, build them up and show them back, over and They over were backroom characters who were supposed to be the rebellion on this thing. It, it's... It, no. Let's talk Imagine. about... Because we have a limited amount of time, but we have to talk about Lord Krylar, don't we? Oh, that was such a waste. That was such <laughs> a waste. Wasted oh, cameo. you thought Bill Murray was a waste? Yeah, I did. Truthfully. I think it was a bigger waste than anything else in this film and everything. It was just like, okay, Bill, we'll pay you 50, you know, a hundred million dollars to be on the screen for what, five, less than five minutes. And, you know, then you were announced as Janet's love interest. What? You had a lo- I was here for 30 years. What do you expect? <laughs> and it was like, 
and it was just like and then it was he got eaten by the the growing slime thing <laughs> that was kind of a nice turnaround uh chip no no cry love i'm i'm gonna have to completely agree with mike that i felt like bill murray was wasted in that cameo it felt like it it felt like bill can we get you in this movie sure i'll do it for 50 million dollars and i'm only on set for 30 minutes okay well um your your janet's love interest just be you just go be bill murray on camera for 30 yeah, minutes exactly I, I do wonder if krylar was supposed to have a bigger role um because of the stuff happening with bill murray i mean even at the premiere they had a group shot of everybody, all the cast, except they let, they told Bill Murray to stand to the side. Because of the stuff that's going on with him, they just they just wanted to distance themselves from him. And I do wonder if we would add more Krylar. If there is more, was there written more Krylar? But, but we didn't get it because of that. Yeah, he was an original character. He didn't, you know... He didn't amount to anything because what he was going to, you knew he was going to turn them over to, you know, Kang. And it wasn't like, it was just like, oh, he's a Lord now. Yeah. He's a bad guy, you know, pretty much. Yeah. Well, true. All right. So don't have time to go into much more about the movie itself, but I do want to just, Ashley, what does this mean going forward for phase five for you? This is the beginning is it off to a good start? Where do you see it going from here? Yeah, I think that we're on the cusp of something really big here in the MCU as we're transitioning, you know, Infinity War and Endgame are such a tough act to follow. So I'm really curious to see where it's going. And I think um, it's kind of one of those just have to wait and see. There's some interesting ideas thrown out here. I think they could turn out to be really cool and rewarding, or it could kind of go a little bit wayward too i think it's one of those where we'll definitely just have to wait and see i did think that the quantum realm was really interesting as a setting i wouldn't mind returning here for other movies and i'm really curious to see what they do with kang i think he could turn out to be a really mind-blowing and cool villain the idea of all the multiverses and the different versions or it could end up confusing and kind of um you know, losing general audiences. So yeah, I think this is one where we really just have to wait and see. And then five years from now, we'll either say like, oh, this is a great jumping off point, or it might be, eh, some mistakes were made. So we, but we won't know until we see more. So so they could make this better, like uh, going forward, it's possible that we might look back on this and go, oh, this is better than we thought it was because now we know what the full story yeah i really feel like this is a movie i can't quite place in my marvel rankings because i feel like it's really going to be dependent on what comes afterwards so but yeah i'm i'm really invested to see more i want to see where it goes and i like that they aren't just playing it safe and i mean kind of giving us more of the same they're trying some different stuff and maybe it won't all work but I like that they're really trying to expand the MCU and not just kind of like rest on past successes and trying some different things. So kudos mm-hmm. to them for that. Yeah, I do. I do agree with that. Um, Chip, what about you? What do, what do you, are you still going to make yours Marvel? I mean, I'm going to be in Marvel. I mean, like I'm, I'm, you know, I'm kind of Marvel <laughs> or die at this point um, that, like I said, the, the biggest thing that I got from this movie is it felt a lot like Iron Man 2. It felt a lot like we have to put the pieces on the board for all the upcoming movies. And like I said, I say that partially as a negative and not as a, not as a terrible movie because I didn't 
I don't hate Iron Man 2. I don't loathe it. It doesn't like, it's not like, oh, the worst movie I've ever seen. But like I said, there's, so it may be that, you know, in 10 years we're like, okay, so this is where everything kind of got set up on the board and they're going to do, that movie kind of almost has to exist until Marvel comes up with a better system. Like I said, didn't hate it. You know, I don't think it deserves the 49 it got on Rotten Tomatoes, but I don't think it's like, it's not their absolute best work. Do you, are you, are you confident at all? It gets better from here. I'm, I'm hopeful. Um, kind of like what we've been saying with the multiple realities and the parallel universes. I, like I said, my, my biggest fear is that Marvel is starting to get so deep into its own lore that it kind of runs the issue that you start to see in stuff like DC's Arrowverse, where it gets kind of so out into the lore that if you haven't been on this ride for the last 15 years, you're going to be completely lost. And where a series can kind of lose casual viewers and it can survive for a while, the real risk with a movie series is that if it loses these casual viewers, these people can kind of come in and watch Guardians or watch, you know, the Avengers. They And like I said, I'm hopeful that maybe they'll figure this all out and they'll make it all work and it all fit together and everyone will be like, oh, okay, this is great. But, you know, it's just kind of my big fear with the movies going forward in the universe. Fair enough. Mike, what about you? What is uh what does the future of Marvel look like for you based on this start to phase five? This is a great, great start. I keep on going back and remembering the end of Avengers where we get to see Thanos for the first time. And you totally geek out and go, Thanos, what? What? This is something big. This is something you know, this is going to lead to something. You had no idea that you had already had the groundwork laid with the cosmic cube and, you know, all the different soul gems and all the different, you know, the different gems that you had. You didn't know how it all tied together. This is where we're at right now with phase five. We're just having the groundwork put in with Kang. And this is all, you know, being hinted at. Hopefully five years from now, we'll go, this makes complete sense. This, you know, these are these, this is what King was leading up to and everything. And I have to have some hope and that Kevin Feige knows what he's doing and, you know, that he's planning on it. And he's already said not all the phase five movies are going to be dealing with Kang and the multiverses. There's going to be other villains in it you know so it's going to well, be sure that would be kind of boring <laughs> well exactly. I mean, it'd be a nice paycheck for john of the majors but <laughs> yeah well exactly well think about how many paychecks he's getting because how many times does he appear as all the different king you know in it and everything so but yeah i i'm looking forward to it you like the the final scenes like we said you do have to be kind of a comic geek to understand who the different characters were that we saw. Why is he dressed as an Egyptian? Why does he have a really tall hat in the other, you know, and why does that guy have a, looks like a, you know, weird bump on his head or something like that. If you're, if you've read the comic books and Marvel, no Marvel lore, you knew who they were. And this could even lead into an X-Men movie. This could even lead into a fantastic four movie. So these, that's what these characters go towards. So it's real interesting as they're doing because Fantastic Four is on the schedule, folks. It's going to be, it's the movie that's scheduled right before King Dynasty. So it'll be very interesting to see what, how it ties together. 
So yeah, especially since, and at least in the comics, the Fantastic Four had direct ties to the origin of King. So yeah, uh, at least depending on what origin you read, but <laughs> like well, but, exactly, uh, exactly. But, uh, but yeah, so, so be, remains to be seen whether they do that. And but. the se- and the second scene that I feel like that's just right out of Loki season two. That's probably a scene that you're going to see on the TV show when it comes out. So well, think- uh, speaking of that, I think that was like. To me, a big takeaway, like like leaving this movie, I'm already looking forward to Loki season two. I mean, I was anyway, but looking at that, I'm like, oh, this is going to be fun. Uh, so, uh, um, you know, we just got uh, we got majors in like the last little bit of the first season, but maybe we'll get him like all the way through the second season. That's going to be awesome. Um so I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to other things that are happening in the MCU. So this does not like pour, you know, douse the flame that I have for Marvel um, at all. Um, and in some ways it enhances it because uh, I am confident that through Jonathan Majors, Kang will be a worthy opponent for the MCU as a whole. So I I think that's in good hands. They've got a great actor. They've got a great villain concept. Um, so it just remains to be seen whether or not like this plays out as well as it can. So and whether or not he hits a an, uh, Figgy hits another home run like he did with Endgame and shatters all kinds of records. I mean it's hard to repeat. I mean you can't. But I know that Disney and the stockholders are expecting it. So um, so anyway. Um, I think that's going to wrap up our discussion, at least for now. Uh, I'm sure we'll, uh, you know, this will be like any other Marvel thing. We'll probably mention it a lot of times in the future. So, uh, but uh, that's our review of Quantumania. Um, we're going to be right back and we're going to close out the show. How nerdy are you, Cher? Do you love gaming, costumes, and cosplay? Grab some beats and come party with us at Nerdy Graw, a three-day carnival celebration of all things geek. Join the crew for music, entertainment, gaming, cosplay, and celebrity guests including DC Douglas, Steve Jackson, Mark Neer, and Jessica Nova. Friday, March 10th through Sunday, March 12th at the Atlanta Marriott Northeast at Century Center. Visit NerdyGraw.org for more information. Join the crew at Nerdy Graw, Cher. Go to room at the hotel for a party that's going to last the whole weekend. You gotta ask yourself one question, punk. What the hell is a cigar nerd? Welcome to the Cigar Nerds Podcast. It's the only show where two guys smoke cigars and talk about nerd culture. Do you like movies, games, comics, sci-fi, pop culture, and beer? Do you like science, nerd news, explosions for no apparent reason? Then this is the show for you. It's like being in a nerdy cigar shop. But for your ears, check us out at CigarNerdPodcast.com. So that's going to wrap up another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. Before we get out of here, let's thank our sponsor for tonight, Tafosi Optical. Tafosi Optical is a sunglass company with it getting warmer and beautiful. And it's February, but we're going to have temperatures around 80. So sunglasses are in need here. So it's pretty awesome. You know, Tafosi Optical is the place to do it. You can get your sunglasses made. And you know what? You can custom make them if you have a prescription. 
or if you want to get different color lenses or different color frames, you could even pick the style of frames you want. It's pretty darn awesome what they do, but they also have 4K glasses. They have gamer glasses. They have safety shields. They have sports glasses. And you know what? They even have, you ready for this, folks? Plain old sunglasses. It's pretty awesome. It's pretty cool. So check it out, tofosioptical.com. And as a way of saying thank you, you too can get 10% off your whole order. If they have a sale, you still get 10% off your whole order. It's pretty awesome. All you have to do is put in the code EarthStation1. Pretty cool. Check it out, tofosioptical.com or tofosioptics.com. Both places will do it for you. All right, that's going to wrap up another episode of the EarthStation1 podcast. Let's thank our cast for being here tonight. Chip. Thank you, as always, sir. Thank you guys for having me. Anything you want to shout out about, sir? Um, I'll do two personal shout outs tonight. Uh, one is, of course, for my wife. She's on My Crazy Nerdy Life on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. She's a big cosplayer. She just finished up a Rococo Beetlejuice. Uh, for those cool. of you trying to figure out what that looks like, just think colonial look Beetlejuice, and you have a rough idea. You can find her on Instagram and TikTok. Um, and she's working on a... Uh, Lydia for me, so it's going to be Lydia if she was a male character in Hamilton. Um, I'm on Instagram at Made Up Name Cosplay. I will admit my wife is way better about posting content than I am, so I'm still working out that rhythm. So you know, I'm I'm still kind of new to to getting daily content, but you know, hopefully I'll be get better about that and start posting some stuff. So sweet and Ashley, as always, thank you. It's always a pleasure. Love um, love talking about movies with you guys. Anything you want to shout out about? Yeah, just about. wanted to um, give a quick shout out. Uh, All Creatures Great and Small had its uh, season finale on PBS last night. I'm, I'm not going to say that I had a few tears in my eyes at points in the episode, but I won't say that I, I didn't. So, but it's just a, it's just a really great heartwarming show if you love animals if you love period dramas so it i'm always sad when another season ends and my sunday nights feel a little bit less cheery once it finishes airing but it's well worth your time to check out that is awesome that is awesome it was great i got spoiled because it's, we have the pbs app and oh we, so you we, got to see so it already we, we got to watch it all at once so they released it that way and so it it it, it was a great great season and did they get to see the christmas special yet or yes they, yeah okay. that's that's the one that that possibly brought a few tears so it was yeah. it was a good one okay cool. um, can't wait to get caught up Oh, yeah. And actually, we're going to be doing, all. I guess, in about two, three weeks, we're going to be doing All Creatures Great and Small. So it'll be a ton yeah, of fun. So to I got to get about. on it. Yes, sir. You did. And we made it through another one, my friend. We did. And as always, it's my pleasure. Anything you want to shout out about, sir? I want to give a big shout out to a friend of the station, longtime friend of the station, supporter uh, Jerry Chandler. Um, he always, uh, reposts it whenever we, uh, post anything about our shows, uh, anything on the network and certainly our podcast. Like he's just been a great, uh, supporter of ours. And, uh, recently he was talking, he did, made a post about some of the controversy, quote unquote, about, uh, quantum mania. 
Um, and he, in his post, he said, uh, I can't see it until Monday, but I was starting to have a hunch. The critics and the audiences were going to split on this. Most of the critics I was seeing panning the movie were critics who have been predicting the death of superhero films or predicting superhero fatigue any day now since roughly the second Avengers film, which is why excluding many of the fan critics I've started to follow like ESO, Gruesome Magazine, White Rocket, etc., and focusing this sentiment on the professional career entertainment critics my attitude for years now has been even more what it was back in the day f critics so Damn uh, i i i i am i'm happy that uh you included us in a group that uh whereas i don't know if, you know i'd like to be a professional critic <laughs> but uh, i'd like to know what i'd like for what us to uh, what we do to be more professional in terms of uh we could have a career, but uh, I'll take it. It's a compliment. And uh, I appreciate being mentioned with uh, uh, White Rocket. There are good folks over there as well. And uh, Gruesome Magazine as well. So thanks for the shout out there. Uh, and thanks for the shout outs every week that you give us, Jerry. Uh, we appreciate it. We do appreciate everyone who does it. Jerry, especially because he's been with us almost from the beginning. Yeah, so absolutely. Cool. And he hasn't got tired of us. What's what's up? I know. I don't understand that at all. <laughs> I don't it's get pretty that, amazing. man. So, you know, but thank you. Thank you. It, we do appreciate it. Or as my wife says, I'm a professional bitcher, so it's okay. You know, <laughs> it's always a good thing to say, but you know, okay. My shout out real quick is a mini con report actually, because we're going to be at a con this weekend. Um, sadly, Mr. Mike will not be with us, but we are going to be going down to Pensacola, Florida to Pensacon. And we are going to be doing three panels at the show. And if you haven't heard of Pensacon, it is a fairly large size three-day con, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I think it starts with the 24th, 25th, and 26th of February. And we are going to be doing panels on Saturday and Sunday, so the 25th and 26th. We are going to be doing at 12.15 p.m., we are doing Doctor Who, Out with the Old, In with the New. And it's going to be talking all about, you know, Jody's last season. Maybe we'll spit on Chris Chibnall a little bit and then talk all about, uh, you know, what's coming up with Dr. 14 and 15. So it should be a ton of fun, what we know, what we are speculating. And it should be kind of cool because Mariola will be there with me. And we'll have also a couple other friends joining us to be on that panel. Then at two at 515 we are going to be doing the Sandman from pages to screen. So it should be a ton of fun to talk all about the Sandman and talk about the comics, talk about the TV show. And I don't think we'll even scratch the surface because it's just so vast to talk about and everything, but it should be a ton of fun. And then on Sunday at 3 PM, we are going to be doing, so you want to start a podcast and we're going to be talking all about podcasting, what to do, what not to do, try not to do how we did it, you know, go out to do it the proper way. So there's tons of cool things about it and everything. And it's going to be a ton of fun. You can check it out, pensacon.com and definitely look at their sites. Um, they're going to, they have some amazing, amazing guests there. I know they are going to have 14 different Doctor Who guests. That was part of the draw for us to go. And then they have guests from the world of Kevin Smith, the world of comics. They have tons of actors. I think Nick Frost is going to be there. Um, tons of folks are going to be there. It's going to be a ton of fun to check out. So 
please, if you get a chance and you see one of us over there, please say howdy. We would love to see it. We'll have some ESO swag to give out and such. We may have some ESO window stickers, what postcards, you know, just come by and say, hey. And I got a couple, you know, little prizes that we're going to give out at the end of the Doctor Who panel, I know, so far. And so it should be some fun stuff. And, you know, it's going to be a ton of fun for this show. And you could just definitely check it out. All right. That is going to wrap up the show for today. As always, we'd like to say thank you for all our crew for being here. Thank you at home for being with us. And of course, thanks for listening to the Earth Station One podcast. Always remember, you can we couldn't do this without you. If you want to support the podcast, please check out our T Public store and get some really cool ESO Network swag. You can find that up on top of the ESO website, on top of the Earth Station One website. There's just a link and just go to T Public. Pretty cool stuff up there. Also remember, if you want to listen to our show before the rest of the world, why not join the ESO Network Patreon? For as little as a dollar a month, you can help support us here at Earth Station One. Check it out at www.patreon.com. We want to hear from you. Please write us anytime at feedback at earthstation1.com. Remember, you can find Earth Station One wherever fine podcasts are found. And now Earth Station One can always be found on video format on YouTube. That's right, folks. Please subscribe and tell all your friends about us. On behalf of myself, Mike Faber, and of course, Mr. Mike Gordon, Ms. Ashley Pauls, and of course, Mr. Chip Johnson. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you here next time on the Earth Station One podcast. Stay safe, hug your loved ones, peace, and we are done. Yay! Bye. See ya. You've been listening to the Air Station One podcast, a show by fans for fans. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our show up on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are found. While you're up there, please rate us and remember to leave feedback. It would greatly be appreciated. And remember to tell your friends all about us while you're at it. Air Station One is available on most social media sites where you can join some really great topics or chats. Help support our show by shopping through our Amazon.com link or purchasing very cool ESO Network clothing and merchandise at our T Public store. Links to both are found on the top of our ESO Network webpage. Become a patron of the ESO Network by backing us up on Patreon for as little as 25 cents a week. Go to patreon.com slash ESO Network to sign up. We want to hear from you. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com or call us at 404-963-9057. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace, and we're done. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.